This morning, it is such a privilege for me to introduce Pastor Josh and Pastor Kara Joins. So thrilled to have them. Come on. Dear friends of ours, we've been on this journey for many years together. And, uh, you know, when you have people in your life, one of the greatest things that I talk about is that I believe the currency of life is relationships. Um, it's the people that are around you that do life with you. And here at Anchor Bend, we have multiple levels of leadership, but one of them is called overseers. They oversee myself, Pastor Phyllis. They really take uh, care of our souls and uh, they give us oversight, even in making the decision on this building. Uh, we talk to the overseers, say, hey, here's the, here's the vision. Here's what we believe God is saying. And then we submit our lives to them. And uh, I could not be more thrilled to have Pastor Josh and Kara as part of our oversight here at Anchor Bend. And they're not just friends, they're family. And so we're so thrilled when he said he could come in this Sunday to come and share the word. We said, yes, come on. Thank you. Come on and share the word. And so would you guys stand to your feet and give a warm welcome to Pastor Josh Joints. All right. Come on. Hey, give Jesus a big hand clap. Oh, like you're saved. Act like you love him. All right. Man, high five somebody and sit down. Have your seat. Wow. Great to be here with you guys. Anchor Bend. Is anybody glad to be in church today? Anybody glad you're out of jail or not in jail right now? Somebody said, I just got out. I'm glad you're here. Not in the hospital. You're in church, man. And how about this building? This place is amazing. Come on. Does anybody remember the days where you were setting up in the high school? Yeah, there's a couple of y'all in here. So the rest of y'all don't know anything about that load in, load out. Oh, yeah. But those that do. They are excited. Sorry, I moved that microphone on you, Carson. They are excited to have this place. What a great, beautiful, amazing miracle that we are sitting in today. Come on, give Jesus another good hand clap. I remember a time talking with, with Jim. He's telling me what he's believing God for and dollar amounts. I'm like, man, this is a man of great faith. He said, it's going to take a miracle. I said, yes, it is, brother. It's going to take a miracle for sure. And, uh, but look what God's done. Look what God's done. So I'm so proud of you, church, for those of you that have given, prayed, served to make this possible. What a, what a game changer. A place to gather and reach this community uh, with the love of Jesus. So it's so worth it. All the hard work. And, you know, Karen and I, we, we've, uh, we've come through a building project of our own. A couple of years ago, and we know how much work it takes to, to get to this point. And I want to just give honor to your pastors. Not only are they, yeah, we're going to clap again in a minute. I want to say all this nice stuff that he told me to say, get it all out, make sure I get it all. I'm just teasing. Not only do they love God, your pastors love God. They, they love you. So I love you. You say, oh, you don't know me. Well, I know them and I love them. So I love, I love the people that the people I love love, right? So, but they have been incredible leaders to get us to this point where we have an opportunity to call a place ours. I mean, this is amazing. And so we love them. We honor them. Come on, let's put our hands together one more time for our pastors. Can we do that? Amen. Bible tells us to honor our leaders. And uh, so they are dear friends of ours. And, and like Jim said, we're not just friends, we're family. You know, seven years ago, we launched our church. Before that, we were looking for churches to learn from. 
on how to do church in a high school because we started in a high school as well. Well, you know where we came? We landed right here at uh, Anchor Bend, and you guys showed us how to do it, and y'all were doing it the best that I'd ever seen it done at that point, and our team learned. We got a vision of what could be, and now God's got a church in Baytown that's doing some good things as well, but man, so so proud of you. You guys hold a very special place in our hearts. I'm your weird cousin from Baytown. You just didn't know it. Anybody from Baytown's a little weird anyways, you know, so if you know somebody from there, you know it's true, but... uh. We are uh, so honored to be here. I got a picture of my family that um, I want to show you a little bit about, you know, who we are. Uh, we've got Tyler is on this side and he's 15 and Caleb is 18, soon to be 18. This week he's turning 18 and uh, going off to college next year. So we've got some college preview days lined up. Uh, it happens that fast. So some of y'all with little ones are like, Lord, let it be that fast for me. Oh, it will be. And, uh, but we're so proud of them. Kara's here. She is the secret sauce to everything God's doing in our church and lives. If you're married to, you know, God's given you a, a, a good thing when he gives you a good wife. If he gives you a Texas wife, he has really blessed you. Come on, somebody. So big hair don't care, you know, so I am truly, truly blessed. Uh, as Jim said as well, I mean, I mean, obviously I'm not the pastor. So if you're here for the first time today, welcome. Uh, but don't judge the church because of what you're going to by what you're going to hear today. Okay, because do yourself a favor, come back next week and be a part of At the Movies, hear from your pastor. He's much better than I am. So uh, uh, come and also Next Steps 1.0. What better way? You've been kicking tires around here? Go to Next Steps. Like be a part of the church. You know, every team has a roster, right? Like, you know, just you're on the team. Like you join the team. You know, every, you know, part of the military has an active roster. Like, hey, be a part, enlist, be on the team, join, commit. Like, well, well God doesn't care. Oh, yes, he does. How do you know that? Because I just, I just feel like he does. <laughs> <laughs> no, he calls us to be a part of the body of Christ and he plants us in a church. So get planted. And this is, there's no greater place to be planted than this church right here, Anchor Bend. Amen. You ready for the word today? Okay, so we've been talking about giving the last, you know, few weeks. Pastor's been talking about money management. How many of you know stewardship's a part of that equation? You got to handle uh, what God gives you. You must be a knowing where your money is a going. I mean, you need to know all these things. But today I want to talk to you about another aspect of this whole financial thing. Um, and it deals with the subject of generosity and giving. Like giving, can I just be honest? Giving just doesn't make sense. Like, right, I mean, let's not all act super spiritual because it doesn't make sense. Because when I give you something, I have less. Like, I have less than I had before. It goes against the laws of self-preservation. Like, we want to get more, you know. We want to hoard up things. We'll make sure we're okay. We're taken care of. We've got our stuff. You don't believe me that we do that? Do you remember the toilet paper thing just a few months ago? We some, we some greedy people, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we go after things like that. It's counterintuitive. We're not hardwired for it. Like we don't, we're not born with the ability to be generous. I mean, parents, hello, you know what I'm saying? Your kids, first words that they learn, it's not mommy and daddy, it's mine, right? It's mine. It's my stuff. It is mine.
there was a big donkey and a little donkey. Big donkey, little donkey. Someone owned the big donkey and little donkey. Someone shared what they had with Jesus because Jesus needed them. Now, I got into this interesting conversation. Normally, I don't do this, but somebody kind of went after me on social media and says, you don't know the God of the Bible because God doesn't need anything. You know, he's real spiritual. I'm like, yes, you are technically correct. God does not need anything from us in order to be God. He's all sufficient. He's God. But Jesus clearly tells us that he needed to borrow the man's donkeys. He says, tell them that the Lord needs them. God needs us to partner with him in order to see his work done in this world. He does, right? So Jesus asked to borrow. It's so ironic that the God who has everything, that's made everything, who has given us everything, ask us for something in return. He asks us for what we have that he has already given us. Maybe I should have titled this message, Donuts and Donkeys. And he said, hey, go up there, and if somebody says something to you about it, just tell them that the Lord needs it. And, let, and apparently this all worked out. I, I, to be honest, I don't think it's a great marketing move. I don't think it was a great strategy. I mean, it took time, like, to wait for the donkey. I mean, he could have just made a donkey. Like, donkey. Big donkey, little donkey. I mean, he could have done that. It's not, I mean, it's not real. Donkeys aren't impressive. Have you ever seen a donkey? I mean, how cool would that be, you know, Jesus riding in on a donkey? Not very cool. I mean, why not a horse like a king, a general? Maybe Jesus was trying to say something in all of that. Maybe he was trying to say we should get off of our high horse. Maybe he was saying he came in low so that he might be lifted high. Like, I, like I don't know, there's, there's a lot of lessons there in and of itself. But if I were Jesus, I'd have made a jet. I mean, he's God. He could, he's God in the flesh. He could have done anything. Like, hey, pff, just make a jet and then J-E-S-U-S on the side in Hebrew where everyone would know. Like, Messiah, son of God, airlines coming your way. Shoo, blow out right over the top of the crowd. Really scare everybody, get their attention, and then hold a rally. Like a marketing move. Like, hey, let's, get, let's do this in a legit way. No, Jesus, like, I'm good with the donkey, big donkey, little donkey. I'm just going to borrow this guy's right over here. And that's what I'm going to do. And Jesus was letting us know he was not interested in a performance. He was interested in fulfilling his purpose. Like he was focused on what was going on. And he's fulfilling prophecy as he does this that was given over 500 years prior that he was going to ride into town on a donkey that had never been ridden before. So he's checking the boxes. Come on, he's intentional. I mean, and he's like, hey, I need to borrow your donkey. Could you imagine going out, you know, after church today and you get up to your vehicle and there's someone else in it backing it out? And you're like, hey, man, what you doing, man? That's my truck, man. Hey, what you doing? Hey, what are you doing? I don't think you'd be calm about it. Okay, what you doing? And he rolls down the window and says, hey, don't worry. The Lord needs this truck. <laughs> Why didn't you say so? What else does the Lord need that I have? Oh, we don't like giving away our stuff. And it's so cool that Jesus asks for the, these donkeys. And here's what I believe this story can teach us today. Three things. Number one, Jesus rides into town on the generosity 
of ordinary people. This an ordinary guy had some donkeys. I mean, we don't know if he was rich. We don't know. I mean, I don't think he was. I mean, he's just an ordinary guy. And he invites or he, he, he asks this, this man, can, can I borrow your donkeys? And he said, yes. Jesus gets on. He comes into town. Everybody's praising God. You know what? Do you know what can unleash a tidal wave of praise in our cities? It's when ordinary people say yes to Jesus. I'll be generous. God, I'll give you what I have to build a church, to share the gospel, to make a difference. People were praising God. Come on, what's going to happen in Richmond and Rosenberg and this whole area when we all kind of get a picture of what our generosity can do and stop devaluing what we have to give and say, Jesus, I got a big donkey and a little donkey. You want to take them for a ride? Have at it. I'm going to let you have this, Lord, because I want to see something happen in my city. If we were to go back in time where Pastor Jim and Phyllis started gathering the people that, 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 that were in their lives and sharing the vision of what God had given them for this church, which is God's dream. This is God's thing. This isn't man's thing. This is God's thing. And they started sharing that. You know, some people started saying, Pastor, we're going to pray. Come on, how many are thankful for God, thankful for people that'll pray? Come on, how many are thankful for people that'll serve? Come on, huh? But let me tell you, this church is not here because of the praying and the serving families. This church is here because of the giving families. There is no church without the giving families. You can pray till your lips fall off. You could serve, but there ain't nobody to serve if there's not a given family to pay the bills. Come on, somebody. And to share the gospel and to make a difference. You see, I feel God when you start speaking about these things because there's people that are ordinary people in the world's eyes that aren't wealthy. My parents were not wealthy, but they were tithers. And I remember my dad, he'd work at, he works at a chemical plant and he's a shift worker. Come on, shout out to all the shift workers. He's been there over 40 years. I remember mama writing checks to the church for like 200 something bucks, 300 bucks. I said, what are you doing, mama? She said, this is our tithe. I said, mama, I'm trying to get some new Air Jordans. Come on, somebody. I'm tired of wearing these Pro Wings X2J9000 knockoffs. They looked like it, but I couldn't get no traction on the basketball court because they were cheap, you know, and you're sliding off. Come on, anybody remember Payless shoes? Come on, can I get a witness in the house today? They may not have been able to give me Jordans, but they gave me something so much better than that. They taught me to love the house of God and to put my money with God because there's some things that money can't buy. And you know who they learned it from? They learned it from their parents that were givers. I found that givers learn it's generational thing. If you want to have the blessing of God on your life, then start being a giver and stop being just a taker. Stop looking for a handout and start looking for how you can give, how you can share already what you've already have. Well, I'll do it when I have more than enough and you'll never do it. You got to do it today. You got to start embracing generosity today and watch what God will do. God's looking for people that will live on the other side of yes. When he asks you to share what he has given you already, he's looking for some yeses. He's looking for some yes people today. Are there any yes people in the house today? That's what God's looking for. Secondly, generosity writes you into the story that God is writing. This man's in the story. We're reading about him in the Bible. The guy that owned the donkeys. We don't know his name, but we know he's there. Because apparently he, someone owned these donkeys. He was generous. Do you remember hearing the story about the widow's mite? There's a story in the Bible, a widow's mite. It was a very little bit that she gave in the world's eyes, 
compared to the rich people, but she wasn't, it was, it was percentage. It meant something to her. That, 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 she didn't have much, but she still gave. She's in the story. How about the little boy that had five loaves and two fish? He didn't have a whole party, pl- you know, party platter from Chick-fil-A. He had five biscuits and two fish. Gave it to Jesus. He's in the story. How about the woman that anointed Jesus' feet with perfume? The perfume that was so costly, it, it cost a year's wage. She's in the story. How about Joseph of Arimathea? He's the man that owned the tomb that Jesus was buried in. He's a rich man, and he said, which having your own tomb was a big deal back in those days. It was like a really big deal. Hey, Jesus can use my tomb. He's in the story. There's a man in Acts chapter 10 named Cornelius. Peter, one of Jesus' main disciples, gets a word from God to go visit this man named Cornelius, and he came to Cornelius and said, hey, your prayers and your giving to God has gotten God's attention. Come on, has your giving gotten God's attention today? Then you got this donkey owner. Man, 500 years prior, Zechariah talked that Jesus would come into town on a donkey. It had never been ridden before. God was thinking about this man 500 years before. And in one through man, one man's generosity, an ordinary guy, he wasn't rich. He's just an ordinary guy with some donkeys. God invaded time and space through this one man's generosity. So when the world needs a move of God, God is still saying to men and women, the Lord needs what you have. Will you share it with him? And your yes can write you into the story that he's writing. And if your generosity can write you in, come on, your greed can write you out. The third thing we see is that you always give back. You always get back more than you give. This makes religious people mad. I'm telling you, people get mad at a preacher and he starts talking about money. And hey, let's be honest. There's some preachers done some stupid stuff. They said some stupid stuff. They've taken advantage of people. But listen, ain't nobody going to be passing the bucket twice and locking the doors in this place. We're trying to go watch the Cowboys play here in a minute. You know what I'm saying? Not the Texans. That's a bad spirit on you if you've got that. They got freedom groups around here for that. Texans, freedom groups will convert you into a Cowboys fan. In Jesus' name. And you know, spiritual, super spiritual religious people will say, well, I never expect to give, get back when I give to the Lord. Why do you even say that? You don't even believe that. You don't believe that. Even if you did, it doesn't matter. You can't outgive God. Jesus said, give and it'll be given back to you. The truth is, when you give to God, he takes your gift that you give, he blesses it, he uses it to to meet needs of people, he multiplies it, and then he gives it back to you. So your gift may leave your hand, but it never leaves your life. The man with the donkeys got the donkeys back. I just have to believe that. It's not that far from where he picked them up and Jesus rode into town. I've been to this region before. It wasn't that far. It, wasn't like, it was maybe 20 minutes, maybe, distance, maybe that long just because of the crowd. But it wasn't that far. How do you know that he got the donkeys back? Because we don't read about crucified donkeys. 
Here in the middle is Jesus, and on his right hand, coming in at 175 pounds, big donkey. Little donkey, no, 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 there were two thieves that were crucified with Jesus, not donkeys. The man got his donkeys back. Probably took them home. He's like, Mama, you ain't going to believe what happened today. Some dude named Jesus, I don't know, man. It, he was awesome, man. He was, people were all around him, were praising him and singing praises to God. And our donkeys were like the star of the show. She had seen Big Donkey. She was doing good. She was keeping Little Donkey kind of calm because, you know, Little Donkey, a little crazy, you know. So here's what you need to know. Your generosity opens a window over your life where God can pour out his blessing. Some of you got a closed window. God's trying to say, open the window. Let me, let me get some blessing. This is Ma- that's Malachi chapter 3. But let me take you to another passage of Scripture and prove to you that you will get back more than you give. 2 Corinthians 9. This isn't a gimmick, okay? If you think it is, don't give anything. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going home today. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Remember that the person who plants few seeds will have a small crop. The one who plants many seeds will have a large crop. You should each give then as you have decided, not with regret or out of a sense of duty. Like, listen, if you feel pressure to give, don't give. God never pressure you. Pastor will never pressure you. He'll ask you to ask God. He'll never give you an amount to give. And if any pastor tells you you need to give a certain amount, like you need to give $642, that, ain't, that man is not from God. God says you should decide what to give. And you know, you ever heard preachers do that kind of stuff? Like, well, God's saying if someone gives $77, he's going to bless them with $77,000. Pastor. You making that up. You trying to get that Bentley. <laughs> Pastor drives an F-150 just like you. So it says, don't give out of regret or a sense of duty, for God loves the one who gives gladly. And then he says, and God is able to make give you more than you need so that you will. Did you see that? God will give you more than you need so that you will always have all that you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. Verse number nine, as the scripture says, he gives generously to the needy. His kindness lasts forever. Verse 10, and God who supplies seed for the sower and bread to eat will also supply you with all the seed you need and make it grow and produce a rich harvest from your generosity. So God gives seed to the Sower. A sower is a person who plants seeds. Sower is a farmer, okay? You get in the picture? Verse 11. He will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times so that many will thank God for your gifts which they receive from us. So I just gave you a whole bunch of stuff right there, okay? There's a lot. You're like, Pastor, please stop reading the scripture. It's so long and I'm... There's three things though that I see from this passage. Number one, If you're going to be written into the story that God's writing, if you're going to be part of what God's doing in this church, and then if you're going to have the fullness of the blessing of God on your life, number one, you got to be willing to give willingly. Like, ain't nobody going to make you do this. This has got to come from your heart. It's got to be something you want to do. We read it in verse seven. Let me read it again. You should give as you have decided. Not out of a regret or a sense of duty. Shame. If you feel that, like you're pressured to give, someone's twisting your arm, don't do it. Don't give. God loves it when we give gladly or cheerfully. Some of you need to take the tithing challenge. 
You say, what's that? Well, I think y'all have it around here. There's some cards somewhere and you can fill it out. And during this time where we're in this series, if you're giving, you know, I think it's the 30 days or maybe 90 days, 60 days, some one of those. Don't, I'll mess it up. All right. But, but there's a time frame, And then if you at any point after that says, or in that time frame says, you know what, pastor, I don't think this is going to work for me. This is, you know, this is a gimmick. Then the church will give you your money back. We do this at my church, at our church. It's not my church, but it's God's church, and I lead it. But we, we do this, and you know we've been doing it for several years. Not one time has anybody ever asked for their money back. Not one time. Not one time. Why? Because people find out, hey, you can't outgive God. And God really does honor his word when you act in faith. You need to take the tithing challenge. You know that only 5 to 7% of professing Christians tithe through to their church? Come on, what could we do if we get everybody doing their part? What better way to invest your money than to give it to the local church so God can make a difference in our world? And listen, I'm an overseer of this church, so we know that the money is going to be stewarded wisely. I, don't, I, I, I say that with full confidence that there's integrity in this house and there's right priorities in this house. So give willingly. Secondly, give expectantly. Verse eight says that God will give you more than you need so that you'll have all you need, not only for yourselves and your family, but for every good cause. And then it says, God gives seed to the sower. And then he says, he goes on to say, he'll, he'll bless it. And you'll get a, you'll get a harvest out of that. So Paul's saying, he's given us a great object lesson. Giving is like planting a seed. Now, if, let's just imagine you, you met a farmer and he, he's like, Hey man, I want to show, he, I want to show you my, I want to show you my barn. You're like, okay, what's in the barn? I'll tell you when we get there. And you get over there, and he's got some seed in a bag. He's like, this is my seed. And, we'll, and you're thinking, man, when are you going to plant that seed? So you ask him, when are you going to plant the seed? He's like, oh, no, no, no. Back up off my seed, bro. You trying to take my seed? Why? You, this is my seed. You don't understand. It's my seed. That seed is worthless until it gets into the ground. And some of you... Oh, I'm going to make somebody mad now. Some of you, when we start talking about giving, you're like the farmer who doesn't want to plant his seed. Oh, I'm not going to give that seed. That's my stuff. I worked it. I got that. It's my stuff. And God's like, I gave you all that stuff. God's saying, I'm trying to bless you back. And when you plant one seed, you don't just get one apple. Come on, you get a tree full of apples. You, You follow me? This is what God, if we could ever get past that mindset that says it's mine and no, it's his. And I'm going to give willingly. I'm going to give expectantly. You know, there are times God will move on your heart. Hey, this legacy offering coming up, you ought to, uh, we're going to do more. Look at your wife. Look at your husband. If you're single, man, I'm going to do more this year. I'm gonna, God's putting a number in my heart. And you do it. It might be a sacrifice. Do you know that giving requires faith? Isn't this thing called Faith which means there's some uncertainty, but there's a trust in God to, to provide. Like there, there, there's faith involved. You cannot remove faith from the equation. Well, I'll give if I have some left over. No, 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 that's not faith. It takes no faith to do that. None. I learned how to give when I was a little kid. My grandpa used to pay me, get ready, $10 to mow the grass. He was getting a heck of a deal. You know how he'd pay me? With a $5 bill and five ones. And he'd look down that little Assembly of God church aisle that we were sitting in, and he'd look down there, and he'd be like, and I was like, <laughs> I took that $1 bill out, 
on Sunday after he had paid me on Saturday. I said, God, that's yours. And you know, I was left with $9. I used to have 10. Now I just got nine. You see, when you're living in the world system, you think you got less. But when you're living under heaven's economy, that nine that's left is worth more than the 10 would have ever been if I'd have kept it all to myself. It says, this really works. I was tithing when Karen and I got married. I was making $1,100 a month as a youth pastor. Come on, driving the church van, whipping that thing around town. 15 passenger. We didn't have anything. I can tell you our whole story, and God has blessed us. We're not rich, but we have enough. We have enough to meet our needs and to share others. We're living 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Some people are dreaming about a harvest, and they've never planted any seed. God, I'm praying that you'll bless me and, and, and bring me a harvest. And God's like, what? You ain't planted any seed. They're dreaming. I would say they're really more on drugs than they are dreaming. You know, it's like, Pastor, I can't believe you said that. You don't believe the things I don't say. I mean, there's, you'd really be proud of me. Let me keep moving. I'm on. Proverbs 11, verse 24 says, give freely and become more wealthy. So apparently God's okay with us being blessed, right? Be stingy and lose everything. Are you reading the same Bible I'm reading? Is this a trick Bible? The generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Refreshed. The third thing that I'm going to challenge you to do today from God's word, we see it right here, is to give generously. Generously. In light of the story about the donkeys, maybe I should say generously. Somebody just, somebody just got that. You're like, you'll get it later if you didn't get it. Give generously. You know God's generous. Listen, if you wonder if God's generous, look no further than the cross. In 2 Corinthians 8, it says this, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. You know, some people read that and think, yeah, Jesus came down to earth and he didn't have anything. Jesus had a treasurer in his ministry and his name was Judas who was stealing money from Jesus. So Jesus had some, some funds. But the poverty that they're talking about is that Jesus left heaven and came to earth. He went from a five-star hotel to a one-star, a half-star. Come on, some of y'all ever stayed in a half-star? And leave the light on all night, sleep in your own clothes, and never, you know, it's like, hey, Jesus came to that for me and you. Then... He took our sin upon himself so that we might be forgiven. That's what true riches is anyways. And he hung on a cross and he took nine inch nails in his hands and his feet and the crown of thorns on his head and he shed every drop of blood to pay the price for the sins of the world. Yours and mine. That's not even fair. He didn't do anything wrong, but yet he chose to give his life for you. That's generosity. 
He gave himself so that you and I might be forgiven. So that you and I don't have to be labeled by the mistakes of our past. So that you and I don't have to be known by our addictions and our hang-ups and habits and hurts and we could be restored, set free, delivered. We could have peace with God. And today, sadly, there's people in hell. It's a real place. And the people that are there, here's why they're there. They chose to pick up their own tab. Jesus came to pay the price, but they want to pay their own bill. Jesus is asking you today, will you let me pick up your tab? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe God brought you here for this reason. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're worshiping online for this reason right here so that you can have a relationship with God. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm not asking you to embrace religion. I'm not asking you to be a perfect person. None of those things are possible. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. He, he says this is for everybody. He's not turned one person away. This is for you. This moment's for you. Well, if God wants to be in my life, he's just going to have to come into my life. Jesus doesn't kick, he, do, he will not kick down doors. The scripture says he stands at the door of every man's heart and he knocks and he asks, will you let me in? For some of you, you need to do that for the first time today. There's no better day than today. For some of you, you've done that before and you're a Christian, but your heart's not where it needs to be right now. You feel like you've wandered from God. And you want to recommit your life to the Lord today. Can I pray for you today? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand or come to the front. I'm not going to do any of those things. I just want to know who I'm praying for, though. So on the count of three, if that's you, would you just slip your hand up where I can see it and put it back down? I just want to know who I'm praying for. You say, Pastor, pray for me on the count of three. Would you lift your hand high? One, two, three, all over this place. Would you just lift it up? God bless you and you. God bless you. I see your hands over there. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you, sir. I see your hand. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. God sees you. That's the most important thing. You know, this is the greatest thing you can ever give God. It's not your money. It's your heart. It's what he's after. He loves you. Come on, put your heart, hand on your heart. Can I pray for you today? We'll all pray this prayer together. Just say it in faith. And I believe God's going to honor it. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I believe he's your son. He died on the cross and he rose from the dead. Jesus Christ, come into my life. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me and choosing me to be a part of your family. I am saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we clap and celebrate what God's done today?